0: Super excited uh, for you to join us again for another edition of Happy Hill the podcast. Finish what you start. We got an awesome, awesome guest here. Um, been knowing his brother for, for quite some time, for quite some, some time. And um, again, finish what you start. This is pretty much a series that we have on the podcast. And this is where we talk to insightful individuals, um, unique individuals that are willing to share their how-tos as well as their experiences that has helped them to finish what they start to live a purpose-driven life. And this brother truly, truly, I believe embodies that. Um, He is an entrepreneur. He is a creative leader. Uh, He's a cultural strategist. Uh, He's a husband, he's a father. Uh, He's a graduate of Winston-Salem State University. You know, like, come on, you know, 04, class of 04. You know the best class, and uh, man, this dude is a Brown Hall veteran. You know, going back all the way to Brown Hall, Fourth Floor, Uh, Happy Family. I want to give you, give his man a warm welcome, Mister Winston Robinson, better known as Will Mo, Uncle (laughs) Westside. Oh
1: man, what's going on, Wilmo? My dog, my dog. First of all, let me say I appreciate you having me on here, man. Jay Mary, one of the most just just a legendary figure, man. One of the most creative dudes I know. He was out here painting. I didn't even know he was painting. He just popped (laughs) up and gave Christmas gifts to people that, you know, it was pictures that he painted. One was called Earth. I never forget that. Well, uh, yeah, man, just, just, uh, just such a light, such a beacon. One of the happiest people I know. Always such a joy to be around, man. You know, I ain't going to lie. Uh, one of the, the reasons, um, you know, not to tell both of our business, but we were yeah. supposed to both be uh, Winston-Salem State Class of 2003. Yeah. However, yeah. you know, we were having a good time, you know. <laughs> so now we are the illustrious Class of 2004. That, that, that's you know? a testimonial to the, the, the engagements and the, the type of fun we had. And I wouldn't do anything mm-hmm. differently, man. So to see yeah, you with yeah, the podcast yeah, and your family, yeah. man, just, you know, who you are, establishing just so many things. I really appreciate the space you occupy. And I, you know, I I, I couldn't say anything bad about you, man. You are, you're you a hell of a brother. And thank you for inviting me on.
0: Hey, man. The podcast. Hey, dude, I, I really greatly pre- appreciate that, man. Like, I'm going to tell you this, man. The first time I saw Winston. I don't know if he knew this I was at Myers Park. It was a basketball game. And I was at Myers Park. It was against independence, right? And I don't I don't know um, if it was some type of ceremony or prom thing that y'all, y'all, y'all was doing. Y'all was highlighting, you know, King Queen. <laughs> yeah. And and um I remember this dude came out there with this blue tuxedo. Out of blue powder blue like like the dude off of a long you well, know uh something about sarah you know what i'm saying he had a powder blue suit and i was like man who is this dude fast forward fast forward a cu- couple months this same dude on the same hall that i'm on <laughs> four flow brown hall man and that's when i knew man this dude was a colorful got cat, cat man uh, a wonderful dude um really man that that right there kind of speaks to man that you have been consistent in that you know what oh. I'm saying being consistent and being who you are and foolish, you know what man. I'm saying <laughs> being consistent into just like being a good dude man you know what I'm saying yeah. been, been a good dude man so I was like man who is this cat right here <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, it's been, it's been a lot of nonsense and foolishness going <laughs> going years back, man. I like I say, some of it I'm proud of. Well, some of it I'm you know, I, I won't mention again, you know. Yeah. However, <laughs> but it they all mark just kind of moments of my life, man. One thing about me, mm-hmm. I just try to have fun in whatever I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah Promise. So you know, why not have a a good time with even in that scenario? What it was was backwards homecoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know. And, and I was one of the finalists. And I mm-hmm. ended up losing to my homeboy. Uh I forgot who won it, but it was my homeboy. But I had to keep that suit on for the rest of the night, not a lost. So it's like
0: <laughs> what so you I'm doing? There? <laughs>
1: keep it on, huh? Yeah, I gotta sit there for the rest of the basketball game. And <laughs> you know. <laughs> But you know, but it's all in fun, man. It's it's a good time, man. So, yeah, Yeah. anything I do, I try to approach it in good spirits, man. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention, black people need joy, black people need to have fun morale. That's such an essential part that we we underplay so often. So, you know, why not have fun with it? Come on, come on. So, kind of starting there a little bit, man,
0: you know what I'm saying? As far as like telling us a little bit about your upbringing. And the reason why I say that, man, is because I think. The way that we have been brought up, you know what I'm saying, plays a big role into certain things we do now. And as I said before, and I, I'll be honest, Happy Family, I kind of, it, it was it was really, it was an understatement of all the accolades I could have provided to this brother as it relates to the things that he's doing in the city, you know what I'm saying, into like, you know, bringing people together, connecting people together. Been, I would say, a historian as well. You know, that's one thing I didn't mention as well. Able to preserve the history, man. So, tell the family a little bit about your upbringing, man, and how has that kind of helped to develop who you are today?
1: uh you know, I, I, I wanted to say initially I had a typical black upbringing. Yeah. However, we're not a monolith, so yeah. I, I don't know. But my black experience shaped it, shaped and molded the person who I am from a very specific circum- set of circumstances. Yeah, I'm from uh, the west side of Charlotte, born southwest, now living northwest. When I mean mm-hmm. southwest, that's the West Boulevard area. Mm-hmm. I'm from Wilmore. However, the context of that, to people who moved to Charlotte after 2012, they have no idea what that means because Wilmore is uh, a rich white neighborhood, basically. Yeah. And, you know, it was a yeah. much different wilmore that i grew up in during mm-hmm. 80s and 90s crack era so you know uh yeah my, my my father's an artist my mother worked in insurance my mother my mother and your father i believe actually even went to school together at West yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. you know just ties there so uh my grandparents uh co-founded first mayfield memorial baptist church on Oakland. so stayed mm-hmm. in the church all day you know when i was little i'm sure you' as well, yeah. you, you know about that life too yeah. you know yeah. Childhood, yeah. Childhood. so uh-huh. yeah, it, and that's what i mean by like i have a set of circumstances that are uniquely black that i believe a lot of people can identify with within this realm you know mm-hmm. uh the reason i'm from wilmore is because my parents had my sister uh who's nine years older than me at 72. And they were living off off Bates, Pitts Drive, actually, in Washington Heights. And uh, and my mom was pregnant with me, so they wanted to move into a bigger house. And Wilmore, at the time, was kind of what suburbia was to our age group. Uh, My -hmm. parents moved to Wilmore. They were the third Black people on the street just trying to chase the American dream. However, when, you know, they Black asses got over it. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I don't know this happy hood. But (laughs) when they got, pardon me. But uh, on, man. <laughs> when those black families came to the neighborhood, the white people said, "We out," you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we got to get out of here. Yeah. And when white people leave, so do the resources. And you know, the 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 neighborhood I grew up in, while it was sensationalized and it might be painted as bad, I, I was having the time of my life. Yeah. I loved my community. I had, it was rich and dynamic. There were older black people. There were kids my age, black families, at least when I was younger. Then I began to get about nine, 10, 11, more black families were moving out, more uh, families who were renting homes were moving in. Still my friends, still, you know, uh, you know but the dynamic changed. it was less fathers, more single mothers. Still, I didn't know what that meant at such a young age. I didn't understand, Mm -hmm. you know, but you could feel a change or you could feel a shift in uh, the class of people yeah, yeah. which occupied the space. Still all beautifully human. However, the the situations they lived in were were different. And, of course, I couldn't put that all together at the time. I'm a child. sure. sure, But you you just kind of feel a difference from your friend's at seven, eight and your friends at 10 and 11. Mm -hmm. So, however, as people move out, uh, my parents felt the responsibility to stay. You know, uh, we we had built a community and it it was just so many beautiful elements about growing up in Wilmore that, you know, when I got to college, that became my nickname. You know, everybody would like, it became my nickname partly when people would ask where I'm from, like Wilmore. I I would treat, an entirely different city, Winston-Salem, as I would when we go to East Lamar in the summer. Mm-hmm. East you Lamar. A, yeah, you holler a group of girls, like, where y'all, mm-hmm. where, y'all where y'all from? Where y'all from? We from Wilmore. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it wasn't different to me. So, yeah, yeah, man, I, I, I'm West Side proud, West Side strong, again, a native of the a, a, a different version of Wilmore pre-Light Rail, pre-Bank uh, of America Stadium, pre-gentrification. Uh yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, that just facilitated a deeper level of pride in me once yeah. you realize that no one cares about the people who I love so much. Yeah. So if nobody, you know, if the city will easily discard them and displace them, who's to fight for them? Who's to care yeah. about them? Yeah. And um, and I don't want to say I've a, adopted that role, but I want you to know that I'm proud of where I am and who I am and where I come from
0: yeah man, I, I think man, that's that that's totally man. I um, as you were speaking, um a couple of thoughts came to my mind, man. and one is the ability of humanizing a community, you know and what what I mean by that is, you know, I kind of grew up in that similar uh, atmosphere. Only thing about it, my family, we moved to the east side. Um, Milton Road when I was like five years old. So we grew up in Drew 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 Hills. You know, my grandmother was right 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 on the corner in which my grandfather um he built his house um in Drew Drew Hills after you know the urban renewal people, you know, black people's push pushed out, you know, during the uh Brooklyn and um some of the other uh, places that was uh what people know as downtown or nascar if you want to get a more specific location but um you know growing up in that uh environment we talking about far as again i was young but able to just go to my neighbor's house you know what i'm saying able to 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 uh go down the street without my mom and dad kind of worrying about where's John, because they knew I was at so-and-so house, you know? And then when we moved to the other neighborhood on the east side, it was a little bit of um, similarity with, with that because at that time, you had some Blacks going out to those suburban areas, you know? When you think about like Milton Row and Harris Boulevard, man, they we used to call that place like the boonies, you know? That was straight, straight boonies. But as we started going over there, more and more Blacks start start coming. And I, I guess my question to you, man, living in that and having that very, it, it was endearing for you to go through that, that process. Um, talk to us about a little bit about preservation, man, because I think one thing that you, you do is preserving the history and making sure that we can tell the story to our kids. And I wondering, was that also something that you was brought up and learned Like those lessons from your mom and dad or your grandparents around preserving, you know, preserving history, preserving what we do in order to for us to make sure this stays one of our foundations.
1: Uh, So I don't know if it is as much preservation or the idea of accepting what we have and appreciating it and Mm. and being happy with what we have. Yeah. So let me see if I can, because I know people from, who are not from Charlotte will see this podcast. So let me try to put this in a way that's understandable across the board. So when you say y'all move from Druid Hills to the East Side, mm-hmm. that is a parallel move from my parents, because my sister's a bit older than you mm-hmm. and, and, your, and your older brother. Mm-hmm. That is a parallel move from them moving from Bates Ford Pitts Drive to Wilmore because it, it was the land of opportunity the, you know, you got to realize housing act just passed maybe, uh, not, not too much longer before this. So all mm-hmm. of this shift is happening. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, now that black people can live anywhere, there's an ide- ideology that, you know, where whiteness is their resources. Yeah. So you know, my parents are like, Oh, we can go to Wilmore. Yeah, and my yeah. dad grew up, uh, Near Baltimore Avenue on Southside, so he always knew what Wilmore was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, wow, we can get over there <laughs> and make a home and live this American dream. Yeah, that what was sold to them. So when they got over there, they realized, no, 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 we don't want to be near y'all because y'all are black. Yeah, it has nothing to do with laws, it has nothing to do with well, it does everything has to do with laws and policy. But the ideology is here in Wilmore, there was white flight happening because they knew that black people would buy these houses overpriced because they knew they could sell it to them and they knew the neighborhood was shifting. And the thing mm-hmm. about white flight is nothing takes, takes flight unless you know it has somewhere to land. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is we actually, my parents actually purchased their home from a black doctor, his name was John as well. And John's reasoning for selling his home is because there were too many black people. So, you know, he wanted to be the one to, you know, I'm not them. I'm not them niggas. I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm a doctor. I'm John. Yeah. but uh, So he ended up, I, I just said the N word. So I got it. I'm so sorry. You're uh, good, brother. You're good. But so he ended up selling that house to us, to my family. And he moved to what he thought was greener pastures. And he followed the white people thinking, okay, we'll just all go together because I'm a part of this group. hmm you know, where you end up moving where? for the Grand Hampshire Hills. So, yeah. so it's the same thing. He didn't wow. realize it. he was, wow. he was running from what he was a part of. Like you yeah. can't outrun yourself. So yeah. anywhere you go, this will happen. Yeah. So that's why, and I, and I believe my parents realized that once they moved and saw the dynamics and realized these folks don't want them here. Yeah, they move that they, they, they you know they're cold to you or they stand offish. So you realize once this community becomes black, now it's the people you relate to. Now it's the people you can have a community with, and you don't want to yeah. abandon that. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and that's like, even today when people go house shopping. You know, and when I say people, black people, a lot of us we just look at the house, the I many the bedrooms, and you it's you know it, it just. This beautiful home on the hill, which is important, don't get me wrong. But when you buy a house, you buy a home, you buy a community, you buy people around it, you buy the idea of your peace, your comfort, somewhere you can, you know, just call people friends. You're buying into a community. And that is what is so important. So when I hold on to Wilmo so strong, because that was my sense of community, my best friends growing up, I was literally a part of that family. All their cousins I know. You see what I'm saying? Because of yeah. that proximity. Yeah. And we can relate on levels. So it's not awkward when I go to their church, you know, and visit them and we have church locking because we live in virtually the same experience. Yeah. And those are the things that are important. So when you chase the idea of a house as just this empty, extravagant box, you miss out on all of that. And mm-hmm. those are the things that are really important. That's why I'm so big on community. Yeah. You feel me? So preserving the idea. And that's why I wanted to give my son. So when we bought our house, we uh, you know, we could live anywhere in the city. Mm-hmm. We chose off Bates Ford in McCrory Heights because this is one of the most historically significant communities in America. Mm-hmm. Not only that, it's black, you know, one of my son's best friends is our next door neighbor. She's an yeah. 85-year-old woman. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? His man? other best friend lives two houses down. Mm-hmm. A, four, a five-year-old black girl. His other his other friend six houses up. A five-year-old black boy. Mm-hmm. Like all the dynamics are here. Not to mention the element of, and I, I know I'm running. No, not no, to mention it. the elements of what the history of the community is. Again, McCroy Heights. So this was a the a community founded by H.L. McCrory, who was the first black president of Johnson C. Smith. And what I mean by that, uh HBCUs were largely founded and financed by the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. And they would of course run it, you know, for it, it, typical white people. They didn't want to run it and keep their eyes yeah. on it until yeah. So well, the first black president they hired was H. A. L. McCrory. And H.L. McCrory knew that black people, well-to-do, couldn't really live many other places in the city. And he wanted to, found, found, uh, he wanted to develop a community where professionals and professors could all live. Yeah. And it was right down the street from Johnson C. Smith, where he was the president. And he called it McCrory Heights. Now, he mm-hmm. took this, he bought this land in 1914, and the city didn't want him to do this. And they took the land from them. They took, uh, I forgot how, 11 or 12 acres so they could put the best water plant there. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to, but they wanted to just to try to slow him down. Yeah, so right. McCrory Heights wasn't developed to the late 40s. Mm-hmm.
0: You
1: know, and, uh, but, and it became a think tank. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Reginald Hawkins is here. He's one of the more... He's one of the civil rights leaders and activists that has one of the deepest resumes you can imagine, but you never heard of him because he's from Charlotte. Charlotte is great at marginalizing his history. His house was bombed by the Klan. The divot is still in his yard right now. Mm -hmm. He was the first black man to run for governor uh, post-Reconstruction. Martin Luther King stayed at his house uh, when he was on his gubernatorial campaign multiple times. And he was supposed to come uh, one whoa, whoa, whoa. he was supposed to spend the night one, uh, one fro I forgot what day it was, mm-hmm. but he got a, an urgent message, a telegraph saying he was needed for a sanitation strike, sanitation worker strike in Memphis, so he had to postpone the trip. And guess what happened? Yeah He was assassinated. Mm-hmm. So Martin Luther King literally could have been off beta for a road. At the time of his death, but he was he was called there to be assassinated. But little stories like that. My my neighbor behind us, whether well, he's he's passed, but his name was Thomas Weish. Thomas Wash before ten years before Rosa Parks sued uh, the city of Charlotte and Revolution Golf Course because they were not allowed to uh, go to the clubhouse after shooting a round of golf. And he it took them seven years to rule on that case, but he eventually won. He was so airtight. He was the first uh, attorney, the NAACP ever hired. Wow! So, so you know, and again, this is a desegregation case in the 50s, the early 50s. Mm-hmm. And why that's so important to me, while I, you know, have so much reverence for Dr. King and Malcolm X, my son's middle name is Garvey, for Marcus Garvey. While I have so much reverence for those guys, I can show them Thomas Weish's house from, you know, his back window. You see what I'm saying? You see why that matters? So So you can make a difference from where you are. Mm -hmm. It was great people who, huh, we we ain't gotta go to New York to see, well, we can We but you know, Malcolm X is in Harlem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Martin was in Atlanta. Marcus Garvey was in uh, New York, then London and Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Whoa, look, look. let's just walk down the street. This is what this man did from his his home. So when I'm building his confidence, I can show him, no, no, no. You had great people right around you. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, Thomas Walsh, his granddaughter stay in the house right now. Mm -hmm. Let's look at these pictures. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. All of that means something in development. It means something. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no.
0: No, no. I I was just saying, man, like, again, we talking to Winston Robinson. um, I'm going to say the historian, you know what I'm saying? The creative leader here on Happy Hill the Podcast. Finish what you start. And um, as, as you were speaking, man, again, as you mentioned, as far as the appreciation of where you came from, you know what I'm saying, and taking pride into those things there, you know, and having a way to pass those things down, you know, as you said before, talking to your son and making those connections, you know, where, hey, we can talk about these big heroes that we we, we read or hopefully they read in school, but we know we have to kind of tell them about especially black leaders but then we can also really take it this uh macro of a view and me, really make it into a microcosm of hey here's what leaders are in, y- in your backyard you know that has connected with with these individuals man and i'm 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 curious man to to know your thoughts especially around now the climate is all about inclusion and diversity you know what i'm saying and i'm wondering how do you or how do you think about that, especially when it comes to neighborhoods? You know, as far as at inclusion, um, diversity, does it provide a more ability to enhance it? You know, to where uh, it can have more resource, or do we? Is it too watered down? You know, around inclusion and diversity in this climate that that we're in now, that certain things need to be more Pacific to Individuals that look like me, you know, and individuals that have the same background as 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 I have.
1: Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And I will say this: diversity is good. Just mm-hmm. put it out there. Yeah. What I will also say is, it's weird to me that it seems like on, from a surface level, only black people ask for diversity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and what diversity also seems to be is allowing non-black people into white spaces. Mm-hmm. It's never like, I've never seen the, the TV show where the diversity is not, you got a black friend, let's take them to the, these bars. Let's all right. Take your white friend to the club. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I've, I, I, I'm yet to see that TV show mm-hmm. when Aisha Tyler was on the cast of Friends they never went to her house. you see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah,
1: they, they didn't show her black friends, a black mom, and that's that's what I mean, like we, on the surface, like, oh man, friends they're, they're friends, the, the sitcom is now diverse because not really, yeah, you're just bringing a black person to fulfill a white ideology. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, you know, let's show different cultures, yeah, so if the diversity isn't authentic. Or if the diversity feels unnatural, I don't know if I am a, a proponent for it. Mm-hmm. I, I I want people to feel engaged and accepting of that the idea of diversity, meaning all things. Yeah, like it's not just you know non-white people entering white spaces. It's mm-hmm. everybody going everywhere? Everybody going everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's is one of organically. Those
0: things, definitely, definitely. I, yeah. I I I agree with that, man. Because it has become over the years, you know, uh, and you can say maybe George Floyd was the catalyst to really get corporate America on this whole inclusion and, and, and diversity thing, you know? But with that, it's like, it's more of sometimes I feel ill intentions,
1: you know, around it. Yeah, it's, so you know, every, everything is, you you have to vet everything yeah. for example after that George Floyd situation was a window opening mm-hmm. i i i thought it would be and I, and i'm sure in some cases there was you know s- changes up and down the road but i have a home girl who was a part of that 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 George Floyd uh wave of that uh wave of just cultural shifting within organization. <laughs> so she got hired to be uh chief of diversity, uh, you know, some, some title that mm-hmm. they basically made up after the George Floyd situation, but they made her higher up, gave her a higher salary and she went in there and she did the job and made these recommendations internally for the organization. You know mm-hmm. what happened? What's that? They fired her. You know why? Because she actually did her job, and what they 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 didn't want her to do the job, they still mm-hmm. wanted to operate the way they were doing, they yeah. just needed a token to sit back there and do nothing and take that money. So, you know, it looked like, oh yeah, man, this company's really doing it's really it really diverse, but oh, it's, yeah, they the really got thing. going together, they really shifted. No, no, no. They could afford to pay to just keep the same racist behavior. So mm-hmm. when they get called out on it, it's like, no, 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 look, look. There should go. That's a chief of diversity and inclusion officer. So, you know, and it's a lot of scenarios like that. Yeah. It's a lot of people, hi- uh, it's a lot of companies out here hiring Billy Ray, Billy Ray Valentine from Trading Spaces. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah, all a charade. Yeah. It's all to, mm-hmm. it's all just to, to, to make a surface level appearance. Yeah. To feel like it's real when it's actually not. Like, it's, it, people feel like, they need a seat at the table, but they get to the table and realize this ain't the right table. Mm. There's a different table. There are multiple tables. or well, this table isn't real. So, you know, it is.
0: What's your thoughts about, like, the whole, you know, how can I put this? This talk, this phrase around having a seat at the table. And, and again, to your point, is almost where we need to say, bump the table and let's create our own table? You know, you know and 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 again, knowing what I, what I mean by that, like, let me rephrase that. Part of it is we know where the resources go. So we need certain, I'll call it, allies to form with us in order for us to have some some resources or to have access to certain resources. But at the same time, is it so much that we're dependent on the other table that we lose sight on our table that we need to form as well?
1: So, if you would have asked me that at twenty five, I would say, "Yeah, make our own table."
0: yeah,
1: at forty, you realize these same racist system and structures they're you're dependent on them, you live in America, so you're very much a part of them that mm-hmm. so you can't ignore them, <clears throat> you know mm-hmm. so but so either way. You know, it's so twisted. Like, whether we're talking about organizational structures like corporations or we're talking about civic structures like local government. Mm-hmm. And one example of this is Ahmaud mm-hmm. Um, God rest his soul. Yeah. And if you remember the, the, the early reports of that story, those two dudes are just about to get away with. It. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they knew the district attorney. Yeah. They knew the officers. It was just like, all right, black dude died, whatever. Yeah. It took a national spotlight to really get down to it and resolve that. But mm-hmm. the thing that shocked me so much about that entire scenario is learning that Brunswick, Georgia, where this happened, is nearly 85% black. Mm. So... I did know that. Yeah. And if it's... If it's, a, it's just like Eastern North Carolina. So if a town... And I'm just assuming this. I don't know this at all. But if a town is 85% black, that probably means at least 10% are poor and Latinx. Mm -hmm. So that means that's probably less than 5% white people. Yet they run that entire town. Mm -hmm. They run all of that so well that they could literally get away with murder. And how many Brunswick, Georgias are there throughout the entire Southeast? Or just the entire nation, period. You know? Yeah. So is that a situation where you very much need to be a part of it? You very much need to be? Yes. Do I understand the amount of hopelessness and despair that will create a situation where you just feel like, you know what, just forget it all? Also, yes. Yeah. I just left Wilmington uh, last weekend. Me and my homeboys went on a fishing trip. Wilmington is one of the most per capita violent cities in the state. But when you go, when you look at the history of it from 1898, you understand exactly why the structure of Wilmington is what it is. And if you drive around Wilmington, matter of fact, the state, and bro, you know I can ramble, so stop. Yeah, come on, come on. No, you could. But you know, the thing is, is not only these people are putting in put in put are placed in impossible situations, but the oppressors are celebrated. If drive around Wilmington, the word or the name Keenan is on everything. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm a Carolina fan. Grew up Carolina fan. Just you know, I live in North Carolina, so you mm-hmm, just kind of mm-hmm. by default. If you go to a football game in Carolina right now. You know where they play? Keenan Stadium. Keenan Stadium. William mm-hmm. Moran Keenan. That's one of the organizers of the 1898 right massacre. Yeah. All that money to donate to get that name on this building, that belonged to black people. Mm-hmm. Took their land, took their money, and now he's celebrated for it. Yeah. So if you live in Wilmington, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel like you can advance? How do you feel like, yeah, I can get my seat at the table? They will kill you and take your stuff. So what are you supposed to do with that? Yeah. So is a seat at the table important? Yes. But is it also impossible to receive a genuine seat at the table? Also, yes. Yeah. And that's what being Black is. It's a conundrum. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the, the answer to both is literally yes. Mm, bruh yeah
0: when you when you think about that I mean, and and hearing the the passion um in your voice man and and again, as I said before man i am you know really really uh proud i truly admire your ability man to connect people together to really be a person that not only talk it, but also walk it, you know, uh, that has done so much as relates to informing, you know, like-minded individual of what's going on, you know, and, uh, I truly, again, I, I appreciate that. And to, to kind of not so much going in a different direction, man, but the things you have done around the city, you know, when you think about um, a vibe called fresh. You know, when you think about what you got going up, come coming up in April, um, a lot of things that you have helped to really orchestrate to kind of bring on that new light around appreciation, around making sure that we continue to tell the story. In addition to incorporate this new story that is developing, uh, when you think about the certain changes that's occurring. Especially in uh, inner city, uh, our inner city of Charlotte, you know, and you know, kind of just talk to us about what drove you to do those th- those things, and 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 what you know, what what do you want to leave like at the end of the day? And this is one question I had to ask you too, man. But you can, you can answer this first question. At the end of the day, man, when Winston Robinson leave, leaves, man, what you want to be remembered by, man? Nothing.
1: The world, (laughs) the world, gotta move on, man. And I know, like people who know me personally, yeah, think this is the weirdest dynamic about me. Yeah, I'm loud and boisterous, but I'm shy, and I don't want to be out in front like people believe I do. Yeah, the thing that drives me is I love to see people having a good time. Yeah, man. I've never wanted to be famous. The idea of notoriety literally makes me cringe. Yeah. I appreciate the value in anonymity. There's nothing like just being able to people watch at a Walmart. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm not grandstanding. I know yeah. it feels that way, but I do these things because I do one I enjoy people having a good time. And like I mentioned in the when we were talking in the intro, yeah. the value of black joy is 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 invaluable. It's like you can't mm-hmm. place a value on it. It's so important. Yeah. So, you know, and I and that's what I know how to do.
0: Yeah.
1: I know how to gather people, make people happy. And I thought it would be a good idea to leverage that to connect black people to resources that could enhance the quality of their lives. Mm-hmm. And that, and I literally tripped into all this, bro. I mm-hmm. had no idea this would be, you know, the space I'm in. I'm dead serious. I, you yeah. know, I, I, I I'm not trying to be an activist. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to, you know, have any type of my Instagram and all my Facebook, all that stuff is private. I don't want people to be like, oh, that's that dude. No. I just so happen to be able to facilitate these things. Yeah. Let me let me tell you how I started it. So a vibe, you want to talk about it first or what it is, or you want to
0: yeah, however you want to go, I man. You can talk, talk about it, just how, how it got started because that, that definitely provides insight
1: into the why. So what Jay Murray is talking about is a vibe called Fresh. And that is an event now that we have, now we scaled into four events, uh, about four events annually. It's basically a community festival that started from a cookout uh we graduated in 2004 like jay mary said mm-hmm. so in 2005 some friends and i said let's put some money in the hat and let's throw a cookout yeah and we what, what is it was
0: called again what, 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 what the, cookout
1: call? the name of it was the big ass cookout <laughs> <laughs> this was a pre-social media world so if you, yeah. you know if you wanted to interact with people you had to do it in person Mm-hmm. So, every so you know, I know it sounds all right, like what? When <laughs> no DMs back then, you had to talk to people. Yeah. So, uh, so we had the cookout. Jay Murray had been, been to plenty of them. Mm-hmm. We had the cookout, and uh, it was successful. And we said, you know what, we should do this again. And we had another cookout, and another cookout. And uh, we had it until 2015. In 2015, I got a call from the county. Saying if y'all had this event again, we're gonna bang <laughs> y'all from the use of parking rec facilities forever. Yeah. Again, I grew up black militant father, so by you know, the default feeling of thinking, oh, the man messing with it, they just don't want us to have mm-hmm. fun. It was never any incident, it was always just a great time. But what we had later found out is while we were in the park, and it was the, these cookouts were at Sugar Creek Park. And mm-hmm. Sugar Creek Park, for those who don't know, is about an eighth of a mile from the I-85. Uh, exit ramps. So while we were in the park having a time of our lives, we had shut down traffic on both lanes for people trying to get in because, you know, I'm being cheap. The park shelter we rented was just for 35 people, yeah. you know. So we, we have a couple hundred out. It's gonna cause some problems. But uh, so I, totally reasonable after that. But anyway, mm-hmm. I gave it to the county. That freaked me out too because when I would fill out the application, I would put my mama' home house phone and uh, address on there. So when Uh the county called myself, I'm thinking like, Lord, they got a special ops team that ain't playing around. You know, they got assassins. (laughs) Don't mess with the county. So, all right, cool. Y'all got it. Y'all can have this cookout. So Uh we stopped the cookout in 2015. My wife and I bought a house in Lockwood. Lockwood is the first single family neighborhood going north uh, of town, uh, between North Trine and Graham. And it's directly across the street from Camp North end now. my wife and I didn't have children. And she said, uh, you should go go to a neighborhood meeting, get involved. I went to a neighborhood meeting and I left the president of the neighborhood association. I, ain't no, <laughs> I let this uh, this guy, Chris Dennis, who's actually also a community leader. He mm-hmm. gave me up good, too. He's like, yeah, man, you young blood, you should do it. So I ended up being a neighborhood president. Mm-hmm. And now I am the liaison to three three sets of three entities. Now, at the time, Lockwood was deemed by Realtor.com and ABC and CBS actually even forwarded the story. This was the third fastest gentrifying community in America. And now I'm the liaison between black people who have lived in this community for 50 years and white people who had just moved there uh, three weeks ago. One group Mm -hmm. felt marginalized, under-resourced under everything and another group wanted instant change. They wanted it fast, they didn't want excuses. However, i in the, the city, it was like, what you wanna do bro, how you wanna handle this? I'm like, I don't know. So the thing is, now I'm in this, I was so frustrated and angry, I wanted to know how we got here, like as a society. Mm-hmm. And it, it drove me to read two uh, books. One was Color of Law by Richard Rothstein and the other one was Case for Reparations by Tanya nehisi which is actually uh, uh, is a, an article in The Atlantic, but it's like 25,000 words, so that's basically a book. But one thing it did, is showed me how we got here via policy. Yeah, so it was exact measures. Like, you Black in America, you can always feel what racism is conceptually. It's a gut feeling even if you don't know how to put it together, you know you're being wrong. You know life is different. You know you're being marginalized. Mm -hmm. So, but after reading those books, my entire life made sense. I knew why I grew up in Wilmore. I knew why my father grew up on Baltimore Avenue in front of Southside Homes. I knew why my mother grew up in Fairview Homes. I knew the systemic Mm -hmm. conditions that created those scenarios. Mm -hmm. So, You know, once I learned this, I was so infuriated yet relieved. I wanted to just get on the soapbox and yell as loudly as I could to black people who would listen. Mm -hmm. Not Mm -hmm. just to give them the information, but to let them know like, ain't nothing wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? Like you're capable. This isn't something that is on you. This is Mm -hmm. something being done to us to get these exact results. Yeah. And those both of those books are based on just specifically housing policy and how it shaped the perils of Black America. It ain't ain't got nothing to do with labor policy and uh, Jim Crow laws. This is literally just that small piece of uh, pie slice of housing policy. Yeah. So, you know, I knew I don't have really a talent. Oh, I can't teach it. I don't have a platform. But I knew, you know, I had bring people together. <laughs> Hey, I I could do it with this cookout. Mm-hmm. And I, one thing I will say I regret, I went behind my 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 folks' back, who we all put the cookout together, and I was so, I don't want to say ashamed, but I was so afraid to tell them I wanted to use this cookout to kind of create these changes. I just kind of thrust it on cause I knew I could, you know, organize a lot of the elements. Yeah. alone you know i can do the graphics i can just do the marketing whatever mm-hmm. so but you know when they found when i told them they just kind of went along with it anyway like, all right cool whatever but so and again i had this cookout and i knew we were only two years away from it oh uh, uh, was it two years yeah two years removed from when the city kicked us out of the park mm-hmm. however being at lockwood is right next door to, across the street from camp north end yeah. We had a great working relationship. We would have community events over there. And I was telling one of the people who worked there, her name is Varian, about this cookout I used to have in my younger, cooler days. And she was like, you should bring it over here. Mm-hmm. I said, what? Okay. So, you know, she she uh, gave us permission. She even gave us the space for the first year for free, the boiler yard. And now, you know, we have this space to kind of have the same feel of this event, but now we can integrate things like panel discussions from housing mm-hmm. experts, uh, resources who offer down payment assistance, mm-hmm. uh, resources that offer housing grants for first time owners, you know, just things like that who, these, it, it wasn't many because these were only the connections I had I made from being a neighborhood association president.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But, you know, it, 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 it was one of those things that, I, I was able to just kind of throw together from the idea of having this cookout, but integrating these things I just learned to also, let, you know, have city council in there. If the mayor was at the first one, just to let her, uh, just to let people know you were done wrong. This is America. However, here are some resources mm-hmm. that could help fix those those things. Yeah. And from that first cookout, man, well, we we changed the name to a vibe called Fresh. That was two thousand seventeen. And just by like chance encounters, DMs, it was like a lot of people told me they started their first their home ownership journey, their first time home ownership, from that cookout. So come it was like, on,
0: man, man come, come on, man.
1: Yeah, and, and the Casey. thing is, well, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna, this, this is the honest to God truth. When I I had no expectations of it. Yeah. However, when I started, when we started going in this direction, I thought the type of people I would help, I kind of stereotype. Yeah. And you know, I thought it'd be just you know, single mother down on her luck, just can't you know, figure yeah. it out.
0: <clears throat> mm-hmm.
1: Now I did help some people who fit that description. However, mm-hmm. one of the people who uh, who we helped was, and I am and you know, I'm protective of his identity, but but mm-hmm. I'll share his story without sharing who he is. He majored in occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. he's from boulevard homes mm-hmm. he was the first person to go to go to college mm-hmm. everybody in his family was from boulevard home his grandma was from boulevard homes his mama B- boulevard homes when his his aunt's boulevard homes when his sisters moved out and got apartments guess where they got apartments at boulevard home boulevard mm-hmm. Homes. so all he knew was Boulevard home, But he was, you know, a gritty, resilient kid, went to school on full scholarship, majoring in mm-hmm. occupational therapy. And that's one of those majors when you graduate, you can kind of get into some money fairly fast. Mm-hmm. So he's 21, making about 65 70 a year. And it's 2005, 2004, something like that. Mm-hmm. So now he's the smartest and most successful person in his family's noble history. Mm-hmm. And every uh, raise he'll get, he got a swanky down, downtown loft. In a bachelor pad, as he should, right? You know what I'm saying? He probably do work. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, got him. And every time he get a bonus, he'll move to a higher floor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the thing is, I knew this, but I'm not, you know, think, we all got our own lives. Yeah, yeah. You've been doing this so long. Like, well, this, this 12 years. And he mm-hmm. he at the top. But uh, the thing is, all he ever associating with living in a space was rent. He'd never seen home ownership. Mm. So it took him coming to a vibe called Fresh to realize like, oh, I better get this together. Mm. He didn't know what wealth meant. He didn't know the difference between wealth and income, you know, the, yeah, yeah. the different yeah. definitions of money. Yeah. But he found out from a panel discussion. Yeah. So he like, oh, I guess I better buy me a house. So he was capable the entire time. He just needed access to the information. Yeah,
0: yeah You
1: don't yeah, know yeah. what you don't know. Like who you mm-hmm. supposed to learn from? His mm-hmm. whole life in Boulevard Homes, they rent. Section yes. eight. Yes. So who's supposed to yes. who taught him? Who supposed to teach him about home ownership? Mm-hmm. So and, and that was, you know, that's the one I know. Yeah. I'm sure there are multiple people like him. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. just needed access to the information. Yeah. So yes. you know, the first one was successful. And just like the cookout, we say we're gonna do it again and again. And now, you know, uh then 2020 happened. 2020, mm-hmm. my job is in experiential marketing. I travel mm-hmm. a lot. So I was just doing this so I could sleep at night. I really wanted to, you know, do, I was so infuriated and so mad. I just wanted to say I did something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so 2020 happened. I I, I travel a lot for my job. Mm-hmm. But
0: 2020,
1: nobody was traveling. Mm-hmm. And then not to mention it's scary. I got a young son now at the time. And the last thing I want to do, you know, and if you remember March and April of 2020, it was super scary. Yeah. And the last yeah. thing I wanted to do was get on a the plane,
0: mm-hmm. then come mm-hmm. back
1: home and bring that around my family. Yeah. So I, you know, just tried to reassess life and say, well, what can I do in this time, this idle time?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, you know what? I think we can help more people if we scale these events. And I started a nonprofit under that ideology. Mm-hmm. And in 2021, we scaled to four events: uh, a vibe outside and a vibe called Fresh. We had them all on the West Side. Yeah, they, they they've been beautiful, man. You know, we got my father. Like I mentioned, my father's an artist, so we got. Uh, I'm real. You know, I'm a. I have a, a real great appreciation for art, culture, and creativity. Yeah. We we're lucky enough to have the Blumenthal help us out with some funding, so we were able to do some great things. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's just been beautiful, man. Uh, yeah. The nonprofit is called. Uh, we we named it. It's named Applesauce Group. Mm-hmm. And applesauce, the, the name derives from the parental trick. Again, my son is four now. So there was a time when he had to take a medicine, he hated doing it. Mm-hmm. So we would, guess what, put in applesauce, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we use something enjoyable to deliver an uneasy essential. And that's the founding principles of applesauce group. Come yeah. on over here, we'll show <laughs> we'll Come show on, you the bro. time of your life. My baby, Come yeah, on, <laughs> yeah. Dude.
0: One um one thing that I want I wanted to point point out, man, when you think about, again, happy family, talking to Winston Robinson here on Happy Hit the podcast, finish what you start, your impact, man, is so critical. um it's so wonderful to see your impact in. And I, I would say, man, you are definitely this is your calling, man. You know what I'm saying? This is definitely your calling. Uh, I'm glad that you're stepping into it. Um, I'm glad that you understand. Yes, it, it can be uncomfortable at times, but man, you got to call him, bro. You know what I'm I saying? You, you got to call him because, dude, I, I read one of your posts, man, that someone had mentioned. And when you talk about the joy, especially now, I have been meditating more and more on this black boy joy. And someone mentioned and um, I apologize. I had to I didn't have a chance to pull it up. But it was on Instagram, man. He was saying the face on his son. You know, he saw his son's face. This is when you had um one of the vents and um it was right um uh on uh Bates Ford. Uh you had horses out, out there, um, had had the um the rolling rink, you know, and just seeing he said, man, seeing that that joy on my son's face of seeing all of these things, right? That he he may not get a chance to see that often. And just seeing that he's like gonna remember this, you know what I'm saying, for the rest of his life. Do you remember that 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 um uh, that, that event we went to? You remember they did this, man? They had people doing that. And I mean, just really right now, man, you planting a seed in them. And I was like, that's it, bro. That's it, man. So I, I wanna give you your flowers now, man, and say, thank you, bro. Thank you for allowing people to feel that joy to allow people to feel that, that incitement, that appreciation, you know what I'm saying? That I'm on this side of town and where I may have been overlooked for so many years, someone is thinking about me, you know what I'm saying? Someone got me on, on their mind. Someone's like, hey, pushing me, right? Straight pushing me, man. So I really wanna say thank you, man, for, for that, man. Because that when I read that, man, Got a little. It hit me right here, bro. It hit me right because it's it's those moments. there's like that's why we 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 do the things we do, man. Especially when we we doing things that's that's part of our calling. You know what I'm saying? But we have people that say, Yo, I appreciated you for doing that, and it it touches my son. It touches my family. Now he has this imprint in his mind of this event, seeing these black people. Within you know, white black, people. Yeah, with all, all of. Them. You know what I'm saying? Seeing all these different people like enjoying each other. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. that's the way, you know, and and I mean, and really like to your point, man, focuses on seeing people that look like me enjoying themselves, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I do got one, one more question, actually two. And just quickly, man, as you mentioned that your appreciation for art and as I see in your, um, your wall there, advertisement, old school advertisement, Newport News, Newport News, Newports, you know, cool. You got, you got the light, you got, you know, saying all these advertisements and again, you know, majority what you have all is is showing far as the black, you know, saying black people on it. Quickly, man, just, I know we can probably talk about this a lot, but man, just your affinity for black culture, Especially like the art, man, and and it's it's definitely in this way that the novelty items, man. I you 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 um put some on Instagram where all these magazines that you have like back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what did that come from, man? And what's what's the passion behind that, dude? I
1: have no idea, but <laughs> and again, I think it all. My father's an artist, so yeah. you know, I guess. Yeah being a creative is in my blood uh i stopped personally painting and drawing around high school Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. that fire has always been there yeah and as far as you know but like i mentioned before i work in marketing yeah so what this represents is kind of a shift in how marketing uh marketing, there was a shift in marketing, especially tobacco, with with vices, tobacco and alcohol products Mm -hmm. that happened during the Civil Rights Act. Mm -hmm. So, you can't see it, but the first, let me see if I can, you can't, but if you see the ones at the top here, yeah, I can see it, yeah. Those are like menstrual ads, and that's the way to Mm. tobacco and alcohol ads would, you know, they would just show just big little black you know, mm-hmm. stereotypes of black people yeah. to sell cigarettes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then the Civil Rights Act happened and Johnson Publishing happened and they realized, wait a minute, black people got money about this? And <laughs> then it's an entirely different wave of black jo- joy and black love mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, things like that. So yeah, and that's and, and it's kind of a reminder that none of it is real. Mm-hmm. So these images mm-hmm. will make you proud, like Thank you for showing black people with dignity, but it's it's contrite. Yeah, it, 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 it's not authentic. It's yeah. just to get your money. Yeah. and I think that perspective is important to have—not to be bitter, but to always understand where you are. Yeah, it's not love. They don't care about you. They just they want they need to figure out a way to get your money.
0: Dollar bill.
1: Yeah. So you know, I I think these things I remind. I wish I can. I ain't gonna be tacky, but like. <laughs> if you can see the one right here, I wish I could just pull it down and you can kind of yeah. see what I'm talking about, but. All right, you're good, I, I man. Got, I, I, hold on, I'm gonna do it. But look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you up right here. You see that? Yeah. You see the imagery? You see the black people kissing? With oh, the- Oh, uh, yeah,
0: the big lips, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's Bull Derm. Oh. Can you see that one? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and look at this. But uh, then it goes to that. Yeah. You know? So wow. again,
0: there's... Was... You telling the story that, right there, man. That's that's a, like a
1: little, that's, that's a museum, man. And this is my man case, so excuse yeah. the cheap blinds. We ain't got the... To... <laughs> 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 it's okay. We ain't, we ain't do the good blinds up here, that's downstairs. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it just things like that, you know, just kind of give me perspective of the Black existence in America. Yeah. And how, you know, how we treat it, how we move forward. I believe that history is the future. Yeah. And, and 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 people things adjust but never really change, so it's always important to understand where some perspectives come from and where and how they're founded. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: true, man. It's true, true. Last question here, man. Um when you think about finish what you start. Um, how would you define that? What does it mean to you to finish what you start, man?
1: It means I need to do better personally. Uh, I I am, you know, just to be transparent, I am a procrastinator. I am a person who has a million ideas that never get nurtured. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am a person who sees a task and it's hard for me to say no, Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, finish what you start is something I aspire to do in any arena. However, even knowing what to accept to to start, if that makes any sense. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, to to have and I, to be able to finish something you start, you can't start a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I have to, you know, have discernment yeah but i have to clarity. pick what's worthy of starting if yeah. that makes sense
0: yeah definitely man my, my word for the year has been clarity so it's mm. definitely been one one of the things of understanding there's a lot of things you you can start and and hope to finish but as far as zeroing in on all these different thoughts right and zeroing in on what's going to be the best one man because you can do i think one of the best big misconception is busyness equates uh, effectiveness oh yeah because no. you busy doesn't mean you're effective, right. you affect know? yeah yeah so so definitely I definitely man so family that wraps up another edition of happy hood the podcast finish what you start I'm your favorite neighbor Jay Murray and always remember you are strong and you were created for greatness and no matter what life brings you always love God love self love your neighbor I'm your favorite neighbor, Jay Murray. Till next time, be blessed. Finish
1: what you start.
0: Message.